0: At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout.
2: Today's story is going to burn a bit as it goes down the throat, but fear not my love because after the severe stomach cramps, the deathly vomiting, and prolonged paroxysms subside, death comes rather easy. I guess it's true when they say some guys can't hold their arsenic. Um, and tell us about our drink that you made us tonight. Yes. Yeah,
3: so the hint was spilled beer, which, as you guys know me and my beer, is considered a, a very, very sad event. So the hint uh, I took into consideration. The drink is called catastrophe, and also I, I feel like since the hint is spilled beer, I, I need to uh, pour one out for my homies. So uh,
4: don't pour that on the floor, Jen.
3: Oh, no, I'm pouring it she into my mouth. She wouldn't waste oh. it, because that would be a catastrophe. I was about to say, if
4: you pour that on the carpet, we're going
3: <laughs> to... <laughs> pouring one out for my homies into my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He's her, like, this is trash. This trash is pretty. The only acceptable beer to pour out is like... Bud Light? Yeah, or like Natty Light or yeah. Ugh, gross. Miller Light or anything that tastes like I piss. Would-
2: I mean, we've had two Miller Lights sitting in that mini fridge, and I'm just like, is anyone going to ever drink that? No. No one in this house
3: will. I mean, Regardless. we're not going to drink it. Hey, so. if anyone's in the Charleston area and you, for some godforsaken <laughs> reason, drink Miller Light, then come on over and grab these two beers, because we are definitely not going to drink them. Do we still have Bud Light in the fridge in the Yes. Oh, God. Bud if Light. anyone wants that Bud Light, too. Yeah, please. Fucking gross. Speaking of being in the Charleston area, great news. Our Charleston show went live. We're back. That's right. Nicole, tell us about this.
2: Uh, well, we're going to be at Snafu Brewery in, uh, which is in North Charleston. Uh, it is going to be on a Friday night, April 17th. Uh, from 7 to 9 and there will be a barbecue food truck on site nice. uh, oh yeah um, barbecue we had the choice so I picked the barbecue one guys Nice. and last time it sold out it was a little bit of a smaller show but it sold out in a week so get your tickets because there's probably a shit ton that are gone by the time this airs yes and we'll see you on Friday night rally for a sold out show
3: surprise shots Surprise shots. We don't know what they are, because they're a surprise. Bailey's. And something. Mm-hmm. That's Bailey's and Quiet Man Irish whiskey.
4: All right, so tonight's hint was spilled beer. So, Nicole, where are we going? Who are we killing?
2: I think we're going to Ohio tonight. I'm not really sure why. It just seems like it would be... A, a tragedy to live in Ohio, and it's also a tragedy to spill your beer. So I don't know. Maybe that's where my subconscious is making that connection. And um, I think this takes place in 1988. Okay. I think a murder happens after someone spills beer on someone at a bar. So,
3: hmm. so they
2: kill them in a
3: fit of rage. Ah, yes. That would cause me to be enraged as well. Someone mm-hmm. spilled beer. In general, not necessarily on me. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to Wisconsin mm-hmm. and a murder occurs at one of the breweries out there. Someone gets killed by a keg <laughs> being pushed onto them and then the beer spills everywhere.
4: All right, so let's get started. We're going to November fifteenth, two thousand. <sighs> And we're Something. talking about this guy.
3: Oh, who that? Freddie Prince Jr.
4: He kinda looks like that guy, doesn't he? Go to com to see these photographs of the killer. Oh, we're going
3: he to... looks too happy to be a killer.
4: What does that mean? He I looks... look happy and I'm a total
3: killer. Well, looks... I mean you're also a war veteran, so Yeah, that's true. He looks
2: um I don't know, like especially that first picture. Looks young and happy, and I would have never suspected. Like, he's not like a typical, you know, blank stare. He looks warm and happy. Um, also, he's wearing the same flannel in both pictures. No, he's yeah.
4: not. That one's a uh, purple
2: one's purple, one's blue, but it's literally the same style shirt. All
4: right, we're going to November 15th, 2000. This is Eric Miller. Go talk more.com. To see Eric Miller. Can you believe he is a doctor? Hmm. Oh,
2: I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, it's the flannel I mean... that
4: throws me off, perhaps. Tonight, we're going to a bowling alley in
3: the Triangle. Huh? New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey?
4: No, you guys will be there on Friday
3: night. You're giving us a little taste of a Raleigh
4: show? Yeah, we're going straight to Raleigh. Two in a row for us. Tonight's story is for our Tokyo Supremo and very good friend Lauren. Hey,
2: Lauren.
4: In Raleigh. See
2: you Friday. Wear your Supremo shirt.
4: Tonight, we're going to a bowling alley, the Pleasant Valley. Sunday? Okay, I know you're gonna say that. Mm-hmm. I know you too well. Another
3: pleasant okay, no monkeys. Sunday.
4: We're going to Pleasant Valley AMC Bowling Alley. This is November 15th, 2000. This is a guy's night out. Everyone's bowling, which is pretty why lame. The fuck.
3: <laughs> I like bowling. I hate bowling. This guy is especially bowling. especially when you're drinking, like at Stars and Strikes, it's fun.
4: This guy is bowling. I mean, he could be doing way cooler things, but he's bowling. With a bunch of dudes. They're actually his wife's they have co-workers. Huh?
2: Maybe they have a league.
4: No, it's not a league. In no. fact, that's a good question. They This was like a Wednesday night and they showed up on league night. So they actually had to wait mm-hmm. because on league night, all the lanes are closed right. or all the lanes are being used. Yeah. So they had to wait. And before they can get a lane, they went to the little snack bar to get some pretzels and, and a nachos. beer. Oh, pretzel sounds great right now. Fuck. So he's at the bowling alley with his friends and they're all waiting because all the lanes are taken up. So they go to the concessions to get a pretzel and a beer. The best things ever. Right. This is in Raleigh. Raleigh has the best beer and the people in Raleigh are so amazing. Raleigh is the best thing ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've actually never been to Raleigh. Me either.
4: He's with his wife's co-workers. His wife works at Glaxo Smith Kline. Do you guys... Know what that is? It used sounds to sounds
3: like a manufacturing company. It used to
4: be called Glaxo Welcome, but now it's Glaxo SmithKline.
2: Yeah, that's really not helpful.
4: It's one <laughs> of the biggest pharmaceutical companies oh. out there. So in Raleigh, you have the what they call the Research Triangle. You know, I used to go to college up there uh, by Duke University. So if you keep going and you take <laughs> by a right, Duke
2: University, but no if, if you take a right, Duke University, you
4: end up at University of Phoenix, where I went to school. <laughs> But anyway, like they had a research triangle right there and they had like IBM is there, this big pharma companies there, like all these sciencey people. So kind
3: of like the Silicon Valley, but of Raleigh. Raleigh. Yeah. Isn't it known for its banking? No, no, right? no, no. Charlotte is known
4: for its banking. It's- Raleigh is known for its farm pharma, pharma pills. Hmm. His wife works at GlaxoSmithKline. She's actually a scientist and a researcher. Hmm. This is from the Glaxo website. GSK develops and manufactures vaccines, medicines, and consumer healthcare products with a focus on science. This is at the Research Triangle Park, North Carolina 27709-3398. He's at the bowling alley drinking with his friends, and they finally get a lane. But Eric, the one you're seeing on the screen, go talk starts to get really ill, violently ill. If you want to read this, Nikwee's.
2: That night, Miller began experiencing severe nausea, vomiting and abdominal cramping. He was hospitalized until November 24th when he went home to his wife Anne, and an infant daughter, Claire, to continue his recuperation. Under the care of his wife and parents, Eric Miller improved until early on December 1st when he became ill again and was taken to Rex Hospital in Raleigh.
4: So he's bowling. Now he's got a trash can in one hand and he's vomiting in this trash can and he's trying to bowl in the other.
2: You
3: Whoa. know, it's uh, you go Time to go home, bro.
4: Well, you go to a uh, that's
3: that's commitment right there. Yeah.
4: You go to a bowling alley and you get what they called bowling alley beer. OK, B.A.B. So enough to make you sick. So it's probably
2: Miller
3: Lite. Yeah,
4: yeah probably Miller Lite here. If you want to read this, this is actually from the book uh, by author Amanda Lamb called Deadly Dose.
2: Within two hours of arriving in that bowling alley, he was throwing up at a bag in a garbage can while he was still trying to bowl. Within two hours of drinking beer, the symptoms of arsenic poison started to fully manifest themselves in Eric Miller. Mm, you know, some guys just
4: can't hold their arsenic. Mm-hmm. He he claims to his friends that, you know, this beer, you know, I usually say this beer tastes like piss. But he said, you know, this beer, something's wrong with it. It's just real bitter and it's, it's not... But they they contributed. So the
2: beer didn't taste right. The beer
4: did not taste right.
2: But was it a pitcher or like were they all drinking from it?
4: Um, So they did get a pitcher, but it was all poured into individual glasses. So
3: they weren't just drinking from the pitcher?
4: No, they weren't drinking from the pitcher. But only
3: his Only his made him really sick. So it had to be someone that was there. Right. And he was with nothing but guys. I was trying to determine it.
2: Was it, did he was he poisoned before and he only started experiencing the symptoms when he was there? Or did someone poison that his particular beer cup? Okay,
4: I didn't want you guys to know he's poisoned. But yeah, he he was poisoned by someone there. He actually goes home and his wife takes him to the Rex Hospital in Raleigh. This is November 16th when he's at the Rex Center. Now, they don't know it's arsenic poison. You guys know what arsenic is, right? Yes. If not, I'm going to describe it later.
2: But I know they, it's poison, and we've talked about it before.
3: It can be in powder or little liquid.
4: They believe that it's the either the flu, because actually when he was there, three Ooh, of the yeah. three of the nurses in the ER that week have already been home with the flu. So it may be the flu, or maybe something he ate, like that pretzel. That green stuff wasn't anchovies; it was. Mucus or something, whatever. Yeah,
2: it's the first thing I thought of. Well, you know I don't want a pretzel anymore.
4: <laughs> the first trip to the hospital was Thursday, November sixteenth, two thousand. Severe stomach pains. He continues to worsen. He's actually sent to the ICU on Saturday, November eighteenth. And if you want to read this, this is from his wife that was taking care of him through this process.
2: He started throwing up about eleven. A tearful Anne told the detective. And then he was throwing up until the wee hours. And he always, it makes him mad when I say this, but Eric always gets sick worse than Claire and I. He always gets it harder, Anne said, sobbing. He got up every hour on the hour at three, like he had thought maybe he should go to the hospital, but he didn't want to wake Claire. So at six, he said, I'm not going to be okay. I got dressed and I got Claire and we went to the emergency room that morning.
4: Claire is their one-year-old daughter. And I was going to get to that later. but um, so I don't that-
3: like the way they spell it. He's yeah, like there's an eye in there. Yeah. It looks nicer that way.
4: Yeah. He got a lot better. He didn't die. He was released, actually, November 24th. He was released and he was getting better. He was at his house. They got a house in Raleigh, a nice two story abode. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about their financials here in a second. But he's walking around the subdivision. Everything's hunky dory. That Thursday night, he wants to go out and celebrate. He's like, baby girl. He's talking to his wife. I'ma take you out and get some dinner. I'm gonna sex you up later. <laughs> but then at the dinner, when he was eating the dinner, it came back even worse than before. This is November 30th. So he's rushed by his wife to Rex Hospital on November 30th. On December 2nd, he is begging to have his wife by his side. She's like out in the hall in the hallway or whatever, you know, arguing with the doctor. He's begging to have her by your side. And that's when he dies in the hospital bed, December 2nd. Oh. So he went to the hospital November 16th, was there to the 24th, got out, was feeling better, went to dinner on the 30th, died on the 2nd.
2: So was um, and his wife was not with them that night of bowling.
4: No, she wasn't with him. That was a guy's night out.
2: Uh uh-huh. huh. Hmm. I've got a little theory. But going it was
4: on. her wife's friends. It was the wife's co workers. So yeah. I'm going to get to this uh-huh. in a second. But at Glax- Glaxo uh-huh. Smith Klein, it was the scientists and researchers that were there. Mm.
3: Uh-huh. Sounds like maybe that he was still getting poisoned after he got out of the hospital. Uh huh. Maybe some infidelity. Well, what's your theory? Uh huh. That his wife was sleeping with one of her co workers, who happened to be one of the bowlers, and they both had access to the pills. And so the guy was dosing his beer. And then the wife did it after when he didn't die. Mm -hmm. Or he went bowling again with them and they did it again.
4: Nequeze, read this. This is from the Charlotte Observer Friday, May 18th.
2: Toxicology tests conducted on Miller's hair that was collected after he died December 2nd also show increased arsenic levels in the period before he died. Clark has concluded Miller was poisoned at least twice in the weeks before he died, including once while he was in the hospital. We're looking good, Jen. Mm. Arsenic is deposited in the hair, where it can be Mm. detected after death.
3: No charges have been brought in the investigation. (gasps) I didn't know you could get arsenic poisoning without ingesting it.
4: Yeah, you can. So, Really? They did a heavy metal. So it's like, he's like dry shampooing it. They did a heavy metals test on him. Because here's the thing with arsenic. There's a very specific test that you have to do for arsenic, you know. So that's like the last thing that they will think of. Okay. But they did it and then they did find arsenic. They actually found 0.93 milligrams of arsenic in his blood, which is a lot. Apparently, I don't know. It's a fucking lot. It's lethal. Nicole, (laughs) can you read this? This is from CBS News, uh, December 2002.
2: It's generally not detectable unless you're looking for it. Dr. Larry Kablinski, a forensic scientist at New York's John Jay College of Criminal Justice. It's so complicated because there are so many different symptoms and there's no particular hallmark that says, look for arsenic. The only time you get somebody really doing a test for arsenic if there's some reason to believe that someone has been poisoned, Kablinski
4: adds. I know, I know you guys are going to... The baby
2: isn't his. No, no.
4: You you guys are going to think that it's... Claire ain't his baby. At first, you're going to think it's weird that he has arsenic poison. But let me go into his well, background. Well, yes, it is weird. I know it's weird, but it is possible that he wasn't poisoned by somebody and he got it from the environment. Just let me go into his background. Uh... Um, Dr. Eric Miller, he's 30 years old. He's a pediatric AIDS researcher at the Lindberger Comprehensive Cancer Cent- Center at the UNC Hospitals. Okay, and you saw a picture of him earlier. Here's him and his wife, Anne. He's a tall, thin, and handsome man, born 1970 in, in Indiana. He's raised Catholic And he proposed on V-Day, which is Valentine's Day, Jen's Uh, favorite holiday. Also,
2: National Jen Collins Appreciation Day. Yes, get
4: it right. He proposed in 1992. They were married in 93. They had their first baby. And I'm showing them a bunch of pictures now that you can see on TalkMer.com. The first baby on January 17, 2000. The only baby, Claire. That's them right there. And this is another picture if you want to go to the website and see the, the couple there. Here's the thing about Dr. Eric Miller. He was an extremely talented and intelligent doctor
3: some people just have it all
4: okay he excelled in college he meets his wife ann at purdue university he gets his phd and he was approached by glass glaxo smith klein the big pharma companies as well as a few others now these companies pay a lot of money for a scientist mm. i mean we watched that documentary today yeah these was like a bear made like $8 billion uh, and that in like was after 2015. They got and after they got sued for $2 billion, you know what I'm saying? Like they make a lot of money. They can pay these scientists out their buttholes, right?
3: What do I have to do to get that kind of money?
4: Eric Miller was approached by all these big pharma companies. Okay, all these big pharma companies offer him a, offering him a huge paycheck every year. But what did I say he did? Do you guys remember?
3: He's a researcher. For what? Cancer. Comprehensive cancer.
4: Kind of, yeah. So he's actually a pediatric AIDS researcher. Oh. Now that means that 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 doesn't seem <laughs> so like it's There was gon- cancer in something that he said. Yeah, no, that's a good guess. That that's not his job. That title, if you think about it. There's no pharmaceuticals companies paying him millions of dollars to do that. This is a government grant. He turned down these big pharma offers. Of I don't know, 600000 a year or whatever these guys make to get a government grant, a federal grant, which is like a teacher's salary, so he can research and uh, push the, the science and knowledge of pediatric AIDS forward and try to help these kids and their symptoms.
3: I think I kind of changed my mind. I think the big farmer is after him because he's one of the doctors that knew about the cure to AIDS and they killed him off. Oh, there is no cure to AIDS. There's a cure out there and big pharma is like, no, we just want you to keep buying our pills. So we're not going to cure it. I believe that.
4: All right. The night before his final hospitalization at Rex Medical Center, him and his wife Ann were at home alone. This is before the dinner and she warned him up some nice chicken and rice. It kind of tastes a little funny, but uh-huh. he, he ate it anyway. Yeah. 24 hours later, he was dead. All right. Initially, the urine test showed a toxic but not fatal level. Now, this is extremely important. If we go back from the 15th, November 15th, when he started experiencing these symptoms, where do you think the arsenic was placed? Like, I mean, how did he consume it? The beer. The beer.
3: Because it tasted okay.
4: funny. It tasted funny. And that's the, when he
3: started getting sick.
4: The arsenic was in the beer. Now, at this point, I want to say the detectives, because they, they ruled out a few things. He's a researcher with all the science stuff and chemistry lab. There is arsenic in the inventory. OK, it's so very possible he could have exposed himself. That is a very that that is a possibility. But. Everything was checked, and that did not happen. He was actually poisoned at the bowling alley. Uh Now he would have died at the bowling alley or shortly after if he didn't blank his beer, throw it up. If he didn't spill spill his beer, Uh (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Because he spilled the beer, and half of it went out, or more than half of it, Hmm. and that's the arsenic all over the floor.
2: Wow,
4: (laughs) wow, you guys are slow.
2: (laughs) So he
3: only had a half a cup of beer or whatever didn't spill. Exactly. And And then he didn't have another one because I'm sure (sighs) that if he had more beer there there probably would have been remnants of that of the arsenic still in his glass.
4: Correct. Uh-huh. But the doctor believes that the death dose was caused by a single dose. So that dose at the bowling alley was not the death dose. No but chicken
3: he, and rice. But you guys
4: understand that right? Uh-huh. Yeah, but he
3: was exposed to it so it was probably still a little bit in his system. So even though it was only a single dose of arsenic, it probably killed him. Detectives
4: are scrambling and try to figure out who did this. The detectives know that Eric went out with all the boys and everything mm-hmm, else. And uh-huh. they know one of those people is were having sex the
2: with his wife.
4: Oh, my God.
2: Yes. I'm sure. I hope they did a paternity test on Claire.
4: Oh. No, Claire is the one year old daughter. I know. Oh, OK. A it,
3: paternity ain't, test.
2: it ain't oh. his baby. Tell you that.
4: Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Now, detectives found a 200 milliliter Vial of sodium cakcakodilate
3: Caco cakodilati
4: another word for arsenic dialect
3: <laughs> is it dialect <laughs> caco can you spell it for me I want to know the detectives found a two hundred
4: milliliter um vial of arsenic in the lab where his wife Anne worked uh-huh. okay so that is one of the you know Clues. one of the suspects. That is one of the first suspects that they have. Now, let me throw this uh, tidbit in there. This has nothing to really do with this specific epi- This has nothing to do with this specific episode, but I thought it was kind of interesting. 10% of the homicides in the United States are caused by females. Okay. Okay. 90% by males. Yep. Now, out of 40 40% of those homicides caused by females are of some sort of poisonous.
3: Gotcha. Yeah, poison. men, men are more likely to kill you via con- like like contact a, con- a contact. Yeah. yeah, contact or violence.
4: Most females won't be able to have access to the pure arsenic like the maybe killer right. wife did here, but it's arsenic is also in rat poison mm-hmm. and stuff like, like that. Like Nanny
3: Doss. Yeah. Or
2: um or they'll use um uh, antifreeze or something.
3: Uh-huh. Antifreeze is not Gatorade, people. Yeah, don't get that confused. Even though it's electric green.
4: Nicole, this is from the Asheville Citizen Times, Sunday, February 4th, 2001.
2: People get very sick, and they're often thought to have everything from stomach flu to food poisoning, said Atlanta toxicologist Claude Terry, a member of the National Toxicology Consultants. Often you find two episodes of this. A person tries it a little, and it doesn't work. So they hit them with a bigger dose.
4: That last line right there that you read is extremely important. It's
2: exactly what happened here. For
4: for arsenic cases. Now, this is the MO of... Most cereal poisoners, they try a little bit and see what it does. You know, they give them a little bit here, you know, and see kind of the effects. Test it out. And then they keep gradually going up and up and up. Well, and that—that yeah. that is exactly what happened here. And in fact... They, through the hair samples, the doctors and the forensic pathologists discovered that Eric was actually being poisoned for a period of about six months. Whoa. So this wasn't, it didn't start November 15th. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was just the one that put him in the hospital. So it was like whoever was doing this, which you guys probably probably know who it is, uh-huh. was actually kind of like testing it a little bit. So
3: yeah, I mean, when you use things like arsenic and poison, you it, it makes sense for you to try a little bit at a time because it's, it's harder to trace. If you expose them to a little bit at a time, they'll start to get sick and then they'll be like, they'll have to like go to the doctor and then they'll go to the hospital when they get a little bit worse. But then at the end of the day, it'll be like, oh, he had an an, an indescript illness. Yeah, he was sick, do you
4: do this or something? How do you know that?
3: She's
2: been thinking about her future plans.
4: All right, so this episode's for you guys. Don't eat the food that your wife cooks. If it tastes funny, she's probably trying to poison your ass. I'm just saying. Now remember, let's go back to the hospital December 2nd right quick.
3: AKA, hold on, that means that you need to cook for your wives. When it was three... Because
4: we're tired, okay? When it was 2.30 in the morning... And Eric finally dies. Think about that for a second. Who was at his side? His wife. His wife was at his side. Uh
3: Okay,
4: go ahead and read this. This isn't really for this story, but I thought it was very interesting that Raleigh actually has a really big problem with poisoners. Huh.
2: Velma Barfield, whom Stone escorted to jail in Lumberton the night she was arrested, was executed in 1984 for killing four people with arsenic she put in their food. Barfield, the first woman executed in the United States in 22 years, killed her mother, her fiance, and two elderly people who employed her as a helper. Grocery clerk Blanche Moore, 67 is still Blanche.
3: On. I was gonna say it. I, Blanche. I thought you were gonna get mad, so I didn't say it.
2: <clears throat> Grocery clerk Blanche Moore. 67 is still in North Carolina's death row, convicted of the 1990 arsenic killing of her boyfriend in Forsyth mm. County. Moore also is suspected of having killed her first husband with arsenic and of poisoning her second husband, who survived. Mm. Stone said people who used arsenic in the cases he investigated over 40 years appeared to be loving-type people. Right. Do you
3: think that the apple in Snow White was was poisoned with arsenic? Ooh, maybe. Because it looked like a candy apple. But like those are hard to bite into.
4: Well, that's also a, a fictional uh, fairy tale. So I don't know if, uh, you know.
3: But, you know, how would it have worked in reality? You know, it very wasn't because that
4: was a fictional fairy tale.
3: The, the witch used to give me nightmares. I had a recurring nightmare oh, when I was yeah. three that my dad would come home from work and I didn't want to go see him because he like turned into the witch from Snow White. And I never wanted to watch that movie because of that. She
2: was scary. That was a scary. That movie scared me. Yeah. Too. We, yeah. I didn't like that movie.
4: Let's talk about Ann Miller, the killer, killer Miller.
2: Well, she wasn't the only killer.
4: Ann Miller, the killer, was a scientist for Glaxo Welcome, which is now GlaxoSmithKline in the research triangle. She was born March 27th, 1970. She's from Pennsylvania. Now, they actually met in a biology class at Purdue. The couple together is a power couple. Both are extremely intelligent in their own right. And they were both pursuing scientific careers, although Anne never received her PhD. But that was due to her, that was due to Claire, the daughter, Motive. being born. Okay,
0: mm-hmm.
4: but as I said, she does work at this high-paying pharmaceutical company. She used her master's degree to get that job.
3: What does she do? A receptionist? Was well,
4: she no? No, she's a, a scientist. Oh. She's a researcher. So she actually has access to these arsenic compounds. She makes a lot of money, a lot of money. And in fact, when they were first married, they were asking for money from her parents and all this stuff. Because like I said, he's working off a of grant and they got a baby on the way and she's trying to finish up school, but now it's completely different. She's got this really high paying job. So with that, they're more comfortable. They buy a big house. She starts getting cosmetic work done. Huh. Okay. That's going to be important. Yeah. her, her, her tater tots are perkier now. Okay, <laughs> yeah,
3: you know, know I don't yeah. know if I like that word "perky." Like tater tots. No, Although, I, I kind of like that tater tots reference. You but know, like. I remember like w-
2: when I was growing up, my um uh, my mom's best friend, who's ironically she's marrying us. Hi, Lisa. So I remember her saying something like, "You know, your boobs start to sag when you can no longer put a pencil." Um, under it, like, and it drops. Like, if you can keep the pencil under your boob, then, like, that's just the sign that it starts sagging. My boobs are starting to sag. I'm getting old.
4: Well, I'm have to can, trade you in then. Can, uh,
2: if I put a pen or a pencil under my boob, it would stay there. They say that
3: like you don't really have to wear a bra. Actually, I, bras
2: are worse f- for your boobs. They do. They make your boobs
3: sag. Right. Free the bra. Free the free the tatas. This
4: is a quote from one of Anne's co-workers at the pharma company.
2: She spends more of her day trying to look good for the men she works for and works with than she actually does doing any work.
4: Now, one thing about these men that she works with, she's married to a, a really handsome guy. Yeah. I mean, the guy she works with, yeah. You know and, and don't be. My
2: husband seems like a nice-looking dude. And I'm
4: not trying to be, you know, judgmental, but they're all geeks, right? They're they're and I'm going to show Nerds. you. Yeah, they're they're nerdy. And so, like you know, nerdy. he's got she's got a husband a that's a doctorate, mm-hmm. a scientist and everything else and he's really good-looking. So, um it's kind of crazy.
3: Beauty now, um it's wh- only skin deep. Is that the right saying? Well,
2: she's looking for, you know, she's looking for attention.
4: One psychiatrist will soon say about Anne that she has a, quote, toxic level of narcissism. Mm. So she is what we call, she's a killer. You guys get it, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. No. She is the killer. Does that spoil that for you, Jen? Damn it. She's actually a 100% psychopath. She, she only cares about herself. She has no empathy for others. So she's a narcissist. Well, yeah, she's a narcissist and psychopath. All right. Oh, great. All right. So while he's in the hospital, she's doing stuff like going to get her hair done and her pedicure manicures or whatever. If you want to read this, this is from the book.
2: It was just very bizarre, almost, that Anne had gone in not to get a quick shampoo, maybe a little trim, but that she went in and told this hairdresser that she wanted to experiment with a new look, Morgan says, shaking his head along with his words. There's something wrong with that. There would be something wrong with it if my wife did it. It's not what would be expected of a normal spouse in this situation, male or female. It's just not what people would do.
4: So that Morgan is the uh, chief investigator on this uh, murder.
2: So is she doing this right after he died?
4: No, no, no. no, This is in the hospital. Oh, yeah, that's weird. I mean, you guys understand, she's the one that killed him ultimately. (laughs) right? Someone else delivered it on the night of the bowling, which I'm going to get to. But she's the one that set all this up. So she was at his side comforting him. You know, you're going to pull through. And, you know, which is fucking crazy, you know, in her mind, she's killing this guy, her one that she loves. No, she doesn't. And he has no idea that she is poisoning him. He was begging the doctor to go get her because he is about to die, and he wanted That's to awful. die with his wife by his side. Oh. But yet, she's the one poisoning poisoning him. In fact, she's the one that gave him the fatal dose at the end. Syringed it right into his IV bag, which I'm gonna talk about in a second. Oh, she did what? So with the initial investigation, they interviewed Anne. The father was present, and this is not a very good tactic if you're a, a detective. Because you're not going to admit you just killed someone with your daddy sitting right next to you, right? Like, the detectives can't break down that shell if your daddy is sitting right there. Right, she's
2: going to put on the front.
4: But at this time when the detectives were interviewing her— they didn't really think that she was the the killer. She wasn't at the bowling alley, right? Right. I mean, you know, they didn't actually think that she was the killer. And plus, on the outward appearances, you have these loving couple, you know, they're in church, they're, they're raising a new baby, they're both scientists, make good money. Like, what the hell? Like, she would never do that. And plus, she puts on this persona because she's a psychopath. So you would never think that. So they interviewed her with her father. Now she didn't confess to anything, but after that, it's important to know she soon lawyered up, which is not a bad thing. Okay, I guilty or innocent, you need to get a lawyer straight off the bat because all these false confessions. But the kind of the sketchy thing with her is she got a lawyer, and then instead of you know beating down the detective's door every day, find find the killer, find the killer, who is it? Fine, fine, fine. She didn't do anything, so it's like. You know, your husband was poisoned. You just—you're now a widow with a one-year-old. You know who was he poisoned by? You know what I'm saying? Right. Does that make sense?
2: Well, I'm thinking a lot about this daughter. Are we going to get into whether or not she's, uh, you know, an offspring
3: of? Why the, the hell disease? would
4: that matter? Yeah, the reason you think of that is because you watch that stupid show.
3: The strangers or whatever. I liked that episode that we watched. Were you into it or no? The daughter has. I wasn't to do really it with paying it.
2: attention. No, I'm not saying like that. She doesn't have anything to do with it. But I'm wondering if the
3: spouse. No, the daughter is... cheated on him. She's and... looking for motive as to why Claire. was Yeah, kill like him. was there a reason okay, right, why right. that
2: man was involved? Was it because he wanted to to be one happy family and be reunited with his true daughter?
4: Shortly after the interview, and retained the top attorney in North Carolina. His name is Wade Smith. That's suspicious. You, you may. Well, yeah, I mean, very, I mean, it takes a lot of money to hire this guy. You yeah. may remember him from a couple of cases. The uh, Jeff, case. the Jeffrey McDonald Green Beret that killed his entire family, which I'm going to do oh, that story yeah. eventually. Also, do you guys remember the Duke lacrosse team yes. that raped oh, his, that, yes. That, yes. Like, yeah. the exotic dancer, stripper, or whatever mm-hmm. you call it?
5: I often find out the hard way that all IPAs are not created equal. Some are hot bombs that forget about flavor. Others only taste good if you drink them with a heavy meal. Fortunately, Founders Brewing Company has found a way to enjoy an IPA anytime and at any occasion with their all-day IPA. You can taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. Whether you're relaxing after a long day at work or hanging outside with your friends, all-day IPA will become one of your favorites. It's one reason why Founders is in the top 10 of the nation's craft breweries and a staple in my fridge. When you taste all-day IPA, you'll understand how they got there. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer, and now hard seltzers too, at foundersbrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company. Born and brewed in Michigan since 1997. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the
1: script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
5: Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: Yeah, that was the attorney that got them scotch-free off of it. Not a fan of this attorney so far. He was also the family attorney, okay, of Cho shung Hoi, the Virginia Tech shooter. (gasps) Oh. Not of him, because remember, he killed himself, but he represented the family.
2: Oh, all right. He's done some good things. Yeah.
4: So 20... What the family?
2: the The families of the victims. No, the no, family of the killer. Of the killer. Oh, oh, never mind. <laughs> Get with it, Nicole. <laughs> Sorry.
4: So that uh, the Virginia Tech shooter. Killed 32 people and then killed himself oh, and man, he was dead was... so he didn't have representation but his family his immediate family did and that was from wade smith so that's a lawyer that she hired right off the bat which is you know everyone says it's suspicious but i really do believe that you should hire a lawyer right off the bat
3: because yeah, i i agree you should hire a lawyer off the but bat but you should because... also
4: you know ask the police who's the killer should you, know?
3: you like I mean, like, shouldn't you already have a lawyer in your pocket, though, as a practice? I mean, Do I you want to like...
4: pay a retention
3: fee? Yeah. Holy shit. Lawyers are very expensive. Yeah,
4: you got to pay a retention fee, Jean. Oh,
3: well, fuck that. Yeah. I... <laughs> <laughs> like, like have you... when, when people say, Jen, have you never been I'll arrested? call
2: my, so when, so when people <laughs> usually like say, times. like, I'll call my attorney, like, most people don't have an attorney on retainer.
4: She interviews Ann's in-laws, Doris and Vert. Burris Miller. they said quote that Anne was a serial adulterer. Oh, and may have something to do with their son's death. When detectives interviewed the parents, they come to the house, knock, knock, knock. the in-laws are here. Now Anne's living with the in-laws at this point with the baby. The detectives are outside. Anne runs upstairs and locks herself into the bathroom
3: for hours. Mm. Okay, and maybe she had a bad case of diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I can commiserate.
4: One thing I'm not going to be able to really drive home in this case because I don't I didn't really go into the psychology of Anne only a little bit, but she's very childish. She's I mean, she runs upstairs and locks herself in the bathroom. You know, she she get she throws temper tampers. A bad hair day. She throws temper tampers when Tenture tampers temper tampers when something Timbers? doesn't temper tampers when something doesn't go her way what is it temper tampers
2: temper tantrums. Tem- temper tantrums temper tantrums
4: she throws temper tantrums when stuff doesn't go her way oh this fucking drink
3: it's i told you it's secretly strong i thought it was pretty good you can't taste the liquor okay
4: now they did get a search warrant to Search her house. They did not find any arsenic in the Miller residence. However, they did go
3: on the computer. Uh Uh-huh. You know. Somebody's doing some Googling. There's residue of arsenic on the computer?
4: No, there's no arsenic in the house.
3: But she was,
4: they pulled up Outlook or whatever. email? Yeah. Yeah, email. She was emailing a guy named Daryl Willard. He's a 37-year-old that works with and
2: Uh-huh. Was he at the bowling league?
4: He was certainly at the bowling uh-huh. league. In fact, these emails were so hot. Brrr. Okay. Oh, no.
3: You never use your work email for sexual emails. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, come on. Get with it. One of the emails
4: said, quote, I want to touch you in places... That you knew not existed. Oh, like the gooch. Well, that sounds yeah.
2: That taint. sounds like when, when there's the like that taint. whole thing that go- Cosmo says that guys secretly like it if you like stick a finger up their butt, and they're like, I don't
3: think that's true. I don't. It's not I, bad. Uh-uh, no, fingers don't go up like, there. No. Things come out. If things go out, things don't go in. It then goes on to say,
4: "Quote, take you places." You've never been before. And then it says, one thing I'll never do is make you feel not wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so who is this guy? He's probably some hot honk.
2: Nope. I feel like you're going to b- put up a picture
4: he's of like ben ben Stein, Bill Gates. This guy is hot.
3: Ooh. Oh, he's a mix between Ben Stein and Bill Gates. <laughs> yeah. so was call call. That was good. It literally is pretty
2: close. Yeah.
4: Yeah. He's hot. He's, he's so hot um, right now. He's husky. He kind of looks like Seth Rogen, actually. Another man was on the email too. Not, not like in the oh, same copy email. Something. <laughs> not copied. She was also talking to another man. Now this was a long distance relationship with a Carl Makowicz. Oh, he's is a, that in Russia? He's another Maybe scientist she's the in San Francisco. He's another scientist, which is in San Francisco. They've actually been in a long-distance relationship since 1997. Holy shit. So she's been cheating. Have they for never met? Two ye- for three well, so years. She's been married to Eric for seven years. Right. So she's been cheating since 1997. And that's just of who we know.
3: Wait, but All like, right. had, had she ever met him?
4: Yeah, they've... Work conferences. Work conferences. So a thing about her job is she goes to all these work retreats. Once they went through all her statements and everything else, they found that she was meeting these guys, especially this guy in California. They would go to like Rio de Janeiro where there's no work conference whatsoever. And they would just go bone for four days. Literally bone in Rio de Janeiro. They'd go to all these places and just bone. On November twenty third, two thousand, he is in the hospital. Remember, he gets out right. the first time November twenty fourth. Right at eight fifty five a.m., when her husband is throwing up severe cramps, he's literally about to die. He's got the she, she calls the husband's illness as quote deathly. This is to the Carl Makowitz on the. Internet the email. San Francisco guy? Yeah. Quote, I'd throw my own Christmas party if I thought you would come. Oh, Well, that's weird. Come is spelled C-O-M-E. No. Oh, I oh, thought <laughs> you were about to say the other. I'd throw my own Christmas party if I thought you would come. I'd buy a house at the beach, too. I could so, so use a friend right now. This guy, her husband... And the father of her one-year-old daughter is dying because she poisoned him, And she's like, I could so use a friend right now. I would so bone you if you were here. Carl Makowitz. Now, they first met January 17, 1997. Three years later is when she gives birth to the daughter, Claire. Uh And now, I I don't know about the paternity stuff. Claire is kind of um, questionable. Even at this point, you know, she's a minor. Okay, she's under 18. What? No, no. not not today. Oh, well, fuck it, whatever. Three years later, she gave birth to her daughter, Claire. So I don't know if it's whose kid it is. They would meet in Lake Tahoe, New York, Outer Banks, all this stuff on April 20th, 1999, and got in vitro fertilization treatment. And then right after, like the day after, spent five days with this Carl guy in a five star resort like a Ritz Carlton wow. and they just boned right Must be Bone nice. town. on May 8 2000 she emailed this to him quote what a year it's been sometimes it seems like yesterday that we were walking along the Carolina shoreline searching for crab shells sitting under the moonlight sipping daiquiris end quote
3: if you're looking for crabs, all you got to do is just sit on a toilet seat without any toilet paper. Or just have
4: sex with this girl. So the guy on the screen right now, he did it. He's actually the one that poisoned at the bowling mm-hmm. alley. That guy right there. That's not Carl.
3: That's the other guy, right?
4: That right. No, that's yeah, the other That's Daryl Willard you're looking at. The 37-year-old Darryl. that works directly with her. Now, I want to say Eric at one point was suspicious of his wife because... She works with nothing but men. It's very male-dominated. Even though you look at this guy, you know, I mean, he's why would that you choose? The, like, I mean, you're taking like a... like Seth Rogen. Like I yeah, said, taking taking a bear. You're taking a huge step down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, her husband is was like, cuter. Exactly, cuter. what the fuck? Well, this guy, look at this asshole, right?
3: Well, okay, to be fair, I mean... I mean, he,
2: he's cute and all, but her husband was terrible. Are you fucking kidding me? That guy's cute? Uh, yeah, he's cute. That's fucking He has gross. a nice smile. He seems harmless. You're right. I mean, like, he seems like he'd be a nice guy. But her husband was very attractive.
4: Now, after Eric, the husband, dies, the calls to him, this guy right here, completely stopped. All the emails stopped. Now, they work together. They work together. So everyone in the office is seeing this weird tension. You know, they're not talking to each other anymore. They're not joking. It's like so, it's really weird.
3: Like if they broke up.
4: Exactly, like they broke up. Okay, that's going to be important. He was born 1963, so he's 7 or 8 years older in Arkansas, or Arkansas. Arkansas. He's a Baptist, he's smart, he was the only one in his family that actually actually graduated college. He's actually married, and his oh. wife Yvette found out about the affair before the murder happened. He was already sleeping on the couch. For months. Oh, he gonna keep after sleeping on that couch. After she found out the um the divorce, or after she found out about the affair,
2: uh, he's lucky you got the fucking couch. I'd be like, your ass is outside. He got a I'd job at to locks.
4: he got a job at Glaxo where he meets Anne between October 30th, 2000, and December 2nd, 2000. They called each other and talked. A total of 576 minutes, over 100 phone calls. One call came in just hours before Eric passed away. He's the one that served the beer. What motives do you think there is? There's no insurance policy. There is, but it's only 100000 She makes that real quick.
3: Yeah, but he didn't. He was working off a government grant. Yeah, but what's the motive? To kill him. Yeah, she to she kill just him. wanted him out of the way so she could continue on having being with another guy. She was emotionally unstable. And felt like she wasn't desirable enough.
2: Or if the child was not her husband's, she wanted to be with the real father of her child.
4: Or she was just like, you know,
3: a terrible person.
4: Very good, Jen. So Anne and Eric, before he died, taught a marriage preparation course. Yeah, you Ooh. have to when you're Catholic. At yeah. the St. Francis
3: No, they taught one. Oh,
4: taught. They taught a... Marriage preparation course at the St. Francis of Assisi yeah,
0: Catholic job, Church
4: in Raleigh. One woman that took the course that they gave told the detective that she kept saying this two words, quote, and time. What I miss most when we got married is and time. Time for me. Hmm. A-N-N Time. I miss my time that I could have for myself that I can get all good looking, do my nails, go out and get some D, end quote. The reason I'm saying this is because there's no real uh, solid motive. And to build a case, the prosecution has to present one. She didn't kill for financial reasons. She didn't kill because of this guy.
2: She did it because she was a narcissist and she was.
4: Yeah. She, and she, she wanted, wanted her own time. Yeah. She's a psychopath. She didn't want and to be married anymore. She wanted to be her. She was like free. Chris Watts. She's like. Well, the.
3: if you want your own time, then like, and you're going to resort to murder, you should probably. I mean, and I am not condoning this at all because we all know where I stand on this. But like, like, wouldn't you think that she would do something where she would lose custody of her child, too? Like, if she wanted her own time. Because right. if you have a husband That's and a true. child, like, it's, I mean, once you once you bring a child into the world, you don't have any of your own time.
4: The police actually go and interview Daryl Willard at his house. Now, the wife knows what's going on. And she's already checked out. She's like, motherfucker, she's like, you're still here. Guilty. You're still sitting on the couch. You need to fucking leave. The day after the police searched Daryl's home. Now, they didn't find anything. But the day after, if you want to read this, Nicole, this is from the Baxter Bulletin, January 27, 2001. Now, this is one day after the police search. Daryl H.
2: Willard Jr., 37, Raleigh. Graveside services for Daryl H. Willard Jr., 37, of Raleigh, North Carolina, and formerly of Mountain Home, will be at 2 p.m. today at Conley Cemetery with the Reverend Steve O. St- Steph officiating. Mr. Willard died Monday, January 22nd, 2001 at Raleigh. So,
4: so did he
3: commit suicide? He died?
4: Yvette, and Yvette the wife and the daughter, this his daughter, unexpected twist. They, they come home from shopping. This is 530. They open the garage. They get the little clicker. Oh, he's hanging it there. It goes, burn up, burn up, burn up, burn 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 up. Ours goes really slow. But it finally comes up. She pulls her cars in the garage
3: and instead and of a tennis
4: ball, it's a body? When it looked like a bunch... The detective said it looked like a bunch of pillows thrown on top of each other. So he actually sat in the chair, like one of those the camping chairs, in his pajamas and had shot himself in the head that morning oh. and killed himself. Mm. And the really crazy thing is there was a camera crew outside because now this is a big case. You right. don't understand. This is going national. A few days before the news outlets started getting wind of this Daryl guy. So they kind of pushed him on the media. So now he's getting real popular. So the media van was sitting there at the house. They roll up when the wife opens the garage and they got the camera going and everything and they actually film him sitting there in his pajamas with his head blown off. He had shot himself, and his ba- his daughter actually—that's what she sees. His her dad sitting there with the head blown off in his pajamas. Mm-mm. The reason I say he's in his pajamas is because he didn't even get ready for the day. When the detective was talking about the case, he said as soon as he went to see Daryl Willard, he could tell that. He was just ready to get the handcuffs on. You know what I'm saying? He was just ready to go to jail. Tacked up to the garage door was a suicide note left to the family. And this is what the note said in all capital letters.
2: I am sorry to leave you, my wife, my beautiful daughter, my family and friends like this. The past year has been full of anxiety, sickness and pain. Today, I have been accused of an action for which I am not responsible. I have taken no one's life save my own. The world looks black to me. All I can see is the smearing of my name, pain caused to my family, personal humiliation, and probable economic ruin. I deeply regret my manner of leaving the world, but hope the any pain caused will no longer linger, at least not in the fashion that my remaining here might engender. I've been blessed with a life full of love and caring. I love you, my family. I love you, my daughter. I love you all.
3: See, I don't know, though. Like, if if I knew that I was innocent, and obviously, again, I'm not this guy, and, you know, it's a totally different situation. But if I knew I was innocent, I would fight that. He wasn't
4: innocent. And this is why. When the detective <clears throat> sat him in the car, not, not to arrest him. This was the day of the search. The detective Morgan says, he says, man, you know... <sighs> I think she. I think she played you. You remember I said the mm-hmm. the call stopped mm-hmm. as soon as the the yep. husband's dead. Oh, yeah, she and, him to and do the it. guy and and Daryl says yeah she she played me good.
3: So not only did he kill someone, but he also was rejected because she didn't want anything from him, but she, for him to kill her husband. As
4: a narcissist, she used him for the murder because after he died. All contact is stop. You you're no good to me. Fuck you. Get you. I don't need you anymore. I don't need you anymore. She's a psychopath. She doesn't. If she doesn't need you, you're like a used Kleenex. Okay. You know what I'm saying. So he kills well, himself I mean, because she was. He was suckered in because this woman probably told her all this stuff. Oh yeah, you look so sexy. Do this for me. Let's kill my husband. All this stuff. Just playing him, so he'd be the one to deliver the dose. And then once he's dead, she's like, fuck you, get out of here. I'm done with you. That's her personality. That's a narcissist. That's a Chris Watts right there. That's what that is.
3: Yeah, I mean. He's dead,
4: you know, and his daughter and his wife has to walk in and see that. And Anne looks like she's about to get off the hook because the prime suspect just blew his head off. Okay. And she's got the top attorney in the fucking state. Yeah. She can literally walk
3: I hope okay. Not. Yeah.
4: Please, no. Don't the, do, don't pull a Canada on us. In the spring of 2001, she actually moves to Wilmington. She's not arrested or anything because there's no evidence. There is no evidence at all that she committed the murder. You guys understand yeah. that, right? And if the prosecution probable, cannot uh, put a compelling case cause, together, yeah. There is nothing they can do. She moves to Wilmington. She lives with her sister and immediately starts a romantic relationship with a guy named Paul Kantz. He's like a Christian rock band musician. I don't know. Of
3: course. And no. she's saved Wait, But now. what happened to her friend from San Francisco? Why wouldn't she get with him? She probably she's dropped probably him too.
4: Fucking, dude, she is, she is a, um, what do you call it? She's very promiscuous. She's uh she's a, Slut. I don't know. She is. Floozy. Floozy. She's a floozy.
2: The most telling moment for Morgan came as Anne went to put her daughter into the backseat of the car. Instead of pulling the child to her chest to protect her tiny head as she leaned into the car, Anne held Claire several inches away from her, as if she were holding a dirty diaper, and then slung her into the backseat of the car like a bag of groceries. Hmm.
4: Okay, so that was from Detective Morgan. They actually followed her down to Wilmington undercover to kind of see what she was doing. November 2003, she is still walking free. She actually marries this guy Ooh. and changes her name to, this is so fucked uh, of up. Of course she changes her name. To Ann miller Dash Cons. Like, she keeps her dead husband's Ooh. name even though she fucking killed him. That's weird. Okay, And then she takes that other dude's name, which I wanted to ask. And this is a very important question for me. Guys, if you marry a woman or even date a woman that is a probable killer, like everyone in the nation thinks that she did it. Why the fuck? fuck would you marry her because, dude are you fucking high well, i think
2: it's interesting that she keeps her name i think it's because she kind of likes the
4: intention of she there you that. go she likes it she fucking likes it she likes to say fuck y'all y'all couldn't catch me there's no evidence fuckers may 2004 may 2004 when did this guy die 2000 december yeah. 2nd and this guy dies 2001 this is May 2004, and she's still walking free in Wilmington. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now married. That's where Buntree Hill everything. is filmed. This is where the case gets well, its very- Well, they were in
3: Durham, weren't they? Oh, yeah.
4: Come on. This is where the case gets its very unique factor.
3: This is what case makes this case so unique. Yvette,
4: which was Daryl's wife, she tells the detective that his lawyer, his name is Rick Gammon. He's actually a very prominent lawyer in Raleigh as well she tells the detective that he could, this is very important, he could go to jail for attempted murder. That one line, that one line that she tells the detective. This Now, the reason I'm saying this is because if the attorney tells the prime suspect he could go to jail for attempted murder... OK, the attorney, the attorney, the attorney says that to the wife. That means the attorney knows something that Daryl has said to him.
3: OK, does that make sense? Is it making sense? Yeah, but doesn't he have to, like, keep confidential? Yeah, I'm
4: going to get to that. But do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: So, so the attorney let it slip to the wife. No, no.
4: Well, all he said was that he could possibly go to jail for attempted murder. So.
2: She's saying, here are the potential consequences. Exactly. He, the lawyer, is telling the wife.
4: Exactly. So the wife tells the detective that. Now they go to the lawyer, which I totally agree with this. Whose lawyer? Rick Gammon, the, the dead guy. The dead, right. the dead fucking not, guy. Daryl's lawyer. Not
3: Ann Miller's lawyer.
4: No, the dead guy, Daryl. Got it, got it, got it. The okay. cops go to his lawyer and say, we need to see your notes. Because but here's it, the thing. Does thinking.
2: it not count when the person's dead?
4: Here's the thinking. Daryl told the lawyer everything. It's but the things lawyer that he didn't to, tell his wife.
2: Right. The lawyer has to keep that confidentiality. Mm. Okay.
4: So now you see where this is going. Okay. Uh, so now, and I do agree with this. The lawyer said, No, I can't do that. I can't give you this because it is confidential. Uh, client privilege confidential. But he's dead. But, you know, the lawyer said, hey, this is for the whole family. I'm representing the family. So the only way that they could ever dream of putting Ann Miller in prison is to know what the lawyer knows. And he can't give it up because, you know, if he does, he's violating that.
2: So they have to sue the family. No, Yvette has to be the one to say, I give you permission, basically, to tell the police.
4: Um, no, that's not correct, because the main one he is protecting is Daryl. So I believe this is the first time in history where this actually came into play as a, you know, how new cases bring in new kind of things. Th- this is the case where, you know, should a client confidential privilege be associated even if someone is dead? Okay, Mm. you know, the guy's dead. He killed himself the day after, but he probably told the lawyer something. The lawyer probably knows, because if he didn't know, then he wouldn't have said to the wife that he may go to jail for attempted murder. It's very
2: interesting. So he probably thought.
4: knows what the fuck is going on. Do you guys
2: get it? Oh, he definitely right, knows. Yeah. But, but that's a very interesting can of worms. Like, can you yeah. imagine the number of cases that there would be solved if people, if we did that after yeah. people died? There you go. We'd finally know who fucking killed John JonBenet
4: Ramsey, no, we bet. wouldn't. Do you not think Patsy told her attorney? No, I don't think Patsy told her attorney. No one told the attorney. Mm. You never no. know.
3: Well, uh, but if even if even if Patsy did tell her attorney and say it was Burke or or John, then that that won't get solved because Burke and John are both still alive. True. Well, I think Patsy. did.
4: So let me ask you something right now. What do you think about this client privilege? Because the only way she is going to jail because she is scot free. There is no evidence. There is no arsenic. <sighs> There's arson at her lab, but that's what she uses during the day. There's no nothing connecting her directly to the murder. I mean, just the only way she can go to prison is to possibly get a confession from this dead guy, which the attorney has. What do you guys think about the attorney privilege? As much
2: as I love to see justice brought to people who have murdered, I feel like attorney client privilege has to be maintained regardless of whether the client
4: is dead or alive. So you're going to let this serial poisoner murder Not walk free? necessarily. And change her name and just, oh, what are you saying? Because the Hang on, on. like I said, the only way oh. she's going to prison is if, if the lawyer gives let these me, notes. Let me add my
2: thoughts. Okay, go ahead, and then I'll say my other thing.
3: While I believe that attorney-client privilege is extremely important, once you're deceased you're no longer a client like you're like when you're deceased it doesn't matter what you did or what you said as as term like as in what you did or what you said further affecting other people's lives like once you did it and said it Like, it's not going to affect you anymore because you're already dead. So I think that it should be brought out into light so that people can have closure on different things. But it also impacts someone's
2: name and reputation, and they are no longer alive to see their name cleared through a trial if it needed to be.
3: But if they confess firsthand... Then it doesn't need to be No cleared. no no but the, the detectives
4: don't know what's in the the lawyer's notes.
3: Right. It could be we're gobbledygook.
4: Just
2: talking, we're just talking hype like in any in any case. I know, yeah.
4: I'm saying, but they, they no one knows what's in this lawyer's notes. And in fact, this was a big media storm and and I have video which I'll put on talk murder so, of him walking with his notebook and there's one paragraph that all these cameras are trying to look at.
3: Well, here's the thing though, like here's my my side of that is that if they're innocent, they don't have to clear their name. Whatever's in the whatever's in the attorney's notes will will clear their name for them, if that's what they told the attorney. But they're but, dead. But, exactly. Exactly. They're dead, so it doesn't matter what they told the attorney. What? Uh, follow me. If they're dead and they're guilty, then people will know they're guilty. Well, how's it matter? Okay, so Jen's in the camp of
2: once you're, you're dead, attorney-client pre- privilege does not apply. Correct. I'm of the camp. Attorney client privilege should always apply
4: regardless. Okay. So, what do you guys? Because
2: I'm thinking about this in terms of like other cases. I'm thinking about like this, this does not just apply to this case. This could be a huge thing for other cases. Think about like, think about like, OJ Simpson yeah. when he dies do you think his lawyer knows what really happened you yeah. think he told his Fuck lawyer yeah. what really happened And I want to
4: know Yeah but OJ's not dead I'm saying when, when he dies, dies. You All know right.
2: what I mean I'm thinking about uh, I'm thinking about how this could apply to other cases
4: and I think but that just had- it's not like, oh, OJ's dead. Let me just release all these documents. No, yes. you have to bring someone to trial. You can't just make someone release all these documents. Right? You okay. have to try someone for murder. They, they, they're okay, doing this because they're trying her for murder.
2: They're looking for evidence to convict somebody exactly. else. Exactly. It's not, not like, oh, he's
4: dead. Let's not fucking release to everything to, to the world. Because as all the stories I've done, I can't even find autopsy reports and police documents for people that died 30 years ago. Well, They're still way, fucking closed whether
3: up. Whether not you have to try someone or not i think that i think that it's important historically to know what's going on like mm. when oj dies because everyone's going to die someday I want to know what the fuck went on. I want to know what he said. Yeah, but that's I not went... in
4: the law. The law that doesn't.
3: I know. I, it's I see law. the We're distinction. Hypothetical. I, I see the distinction
2: you're making though is that it's not necessarily to, to yeah. open everything. It's, it's like say, oh, let's just in do it order because to, to get is, somebody yeah. else, not necessarily. So like for the OJ, it's not necessarily like oh OJ's. Dead, because, let's yeah. release the OJ. You, op- you
4: open those files. Or let's say you open the OJ file, right? Boom. He's dead. Who cares? Well, how about maybe all the people that OJ has had an affair with? Now they're all in the public and all this stuff, because if you open one file, you gotta open them all, right? You got to open everything, so the, the, all these people are getting drugged through that are still alive. So the thing you know, that's there is no point mm-hmm. opening them. You yeah. got to try someone for murder. So
2: that that's what the distinction is that you're hoping to release the information to put someone this, else. Yeah, that's in the that's
4: the only that that is why this went to the uh, Supreme Court. Yeah, that's a lot You're going harder. to try a scientist who has everything going for her, and and the the detective. I heard an interview with him. He was like, I was scared to death. If I put 12 ordinary people of a jury in front of Ann Miller, the narcissist that can basically change her personality to suit whoever she's talking to, she can be the crying widow. She can be the seductress, anything. They'd fucking fall for it. OK, with no evidence, fucking case over.
2: So your distinction definitely cha- changes. Not, I wouldn't say totally changes. I still think if you're going to say attorney-client privilege- it has to apply no matter what. But one thing that you said that may may be a little bit of a loophole here is you said it, he rep the lawyer represents the family. So if the spouse like knows something and decides she wants to say something, I think that's a different story. But I don't know. I think I think attorney client privilege has to be respected because it goes back to that one. Robert Garrow's big mountain adventure, like attorney client privilege, regardless if the attorney knows something that would bring justice to the family, is Like, that's it. That's the law. That's the oath you sign up for as an attorney. And I don't think anything else, whether like my personal opinion about justice, you know, should change that. That's the law.
4: Exactly. I believe that, too. I think it should be but what do you what do you guys think? Go to talk And on this post, I want to hear what you guys think. Should they release this or not? Because this determines whether she goes to jail or whether she does not go to jail it is extremely important. So are so, you saying she's still walking free? Well, what do you think they did? Because this was not just, a, oh, should we do it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's don't do it. They had to go to the Supreme Court. This went up from court to court to court to court. This this case was bigger than the murder case. Think, because this was a huge decision.
3: Well, I think based on the current law, I think the Supreme Court would base. Oh, when did it go to the Supreme Court?
4: May 2004. This has okay. never been tested before.
2: Well, I, I
3: think, think that based on the current law, I think the Supreme Court would have to de- uh, defend the Constitution and, and say that they could not. Think
2: old RBG. The state Supreme Court indicated that Willard's statements implicate someone else in Miller's death and, order, and ordered Gammon to reveal what was said to Wake District Attorney Colin huh. Willoughby. Last month, Gammon handed over a paragraph that described what Willard said. No arrest has been made in Miller's death, but lawyers and legal experts are already, deba- de- already debating whether the statement would be admissible as evidence if anyone was ever tried. That was so they released of- it and they didn't fucking convict anybody?
4: Yeah, they did. Hold on that was from the rocky mount telegram monday june 14 2004 now this like i said i have video of the news cameras going crazy they show rick gammon the attorney walking through the courthouse holding the briefcase everyone's looking at the briefcase the cameras are zooming into the briefcase what's in the fucking briefcase well what's, what's in the box? box the fucking paragraph 12 of his notes are in the briefcase and that Says this right here.
2: Mr. Willard then stated that on one recent occasion he had met Mrs. Miller in a parking lot and they had a conversation while in an SUV. He stated that during his conversation Mrs. Miller was crying and that she told him she had been to the hospital where Mr. Miller had been admitted. She stated to Mr. Willard that she was by herself in the room with Mr. Miller for a period of time. She then told Mr. Willard she took a syringe and a needle from her purse and injected the contents of the syringe into Mr. Miller's IV.
4: Smoking gun.
2: Upon being questioned as to the contents of the syringe, Mr. Willard either stated that the substance was from work or that Mrs. Miller told him it was from work. He then stated that he asked Mrs. Miller why she had done this, and she replied, I don't know. Mr. Willard surmised that Mrs. Miller was attempting to end Mr. Miller's suffering from his illness with these actions.
4: Okay, so Ooh, but that see, is a smoking gun. But now, here's what I want to say: Is it admissible? Mm. It, it, yeah, it was admissible. Yeah, and they actually pulled Anne from Wilmington. Now, this is kind of crazy. She but, goes into the courtroom not knowing anything about this at all. Mm. Okay, so here's her. In the courtroom, if you want to go talkmur.com to see that. Look at her smile. Oh, look
2: at her. She's so so happy. She, because she thinks she she needs she's there. She's
4: trying to hairdo. She thinks she's there and gonna get away scot-free. She has no idea what that note says. It was a smoking gun. Okay. Your that's ass her is now. Grass. Her ass is grass. So what do you think she got? And I want to say that she pleaded guilty without going to trial. Interesting. Yeah, th- that's a very years. That's a very interesting play. I personally would have would have went through the process of being tried because I, I believe yeah, she, that she could have had a chance to walk scot-free.
3: Especially because in that note, can you go back to the note real quick?
4: The note actually didn't claim arsenic. Right. But like I said, she didn't know what was in the note. She pleaded guilty before seeing it. Ow. So I think that was her big mistake.
3: But. I mean, the note doesn't really specifically say what the intent was because he said he surmised that she tried to end his life. Is that what the sentence says?
4: She then told Mr. Willard that she took a syringe and needle from her purse and injected the contents of the syringe into Mr. Miller's IV. That one sentence is the smoking gun. Right, but what's in it?
2: No, I know, but I'm saying. uh, Reasonable doubt. You're so, you're saying, like... He didn't you say, make, like, could, she, she killed, killed him... She
3: it. wanted to kill him by putting this in here. It's saying, I think that he, she wanted to kill him because she told me that she put something into his IV with a syringe. Maybe it was extra vitamin C. Who knows? I mean, like, yes, reasonably, she's tried to kill him, but, like, that confession right there... I I think you guys are both saying the same thing, but slightly different points, is that... Yeah, that's why... Regardless, she
2: probably should have gone to trial. She should have gone to trial. There was enough reasonable doubt either making that letter inadmissible to evidence or saying, like, justifying, like... No, how do you know what she, she could have got in? away like, with oh, this? Did Scott anyone free. else test that bag? Did anyone see if there were any holes? Like, there could have been somebody that are, a good lawyer could argue out of that. And so she had the best
4: lawyer, so I don't know what the deal was, why she did that. Maybe but she had a
2: change of conscience. I,
4: uh, I don't know. Maybe, but that smile. I, so yeah. So right? I, I agree with yeah. Jen. She definitely could have got. In my opinion, she could have walked scot free because no jury. Is going to convict someone because she could have put fucking OJ she up there the uh, orange to juice in that IV bag, you know?
2: You're right. All she had to do was say she but didn't, she didn't, she put it. Yeah, it was she, vitamins or like, yeah. she could have. Come up with any excuse. They could have got a that letter full dim- dismissed. On his cart that
3: was in the room,
2: she could have said that that letter was a lie and that never happened. And did anybody test to see if there were any holes in that IV? And yeah. of course, nobody did. So, and then, ha- and then
3: even then if what? you do make that letter, especially if you make that letter admissible post mortem, that they, that person can't defend themselves, right? So, how how do you validate that that's true? You can't.
4: I I think everyone knew that, and I'm not sure why she. Pled guilty. Oh, it's an interesting play. But she did take a plea deal. And I believe she could have got away with it scot free if she didn't do this. But she did plead guilty to second degree murder. Mm. She got 25 years minimum. In February 2007, the court actually terminated her visitation rights with her daughter. But her daughter's mm. of age now. So they're probably visiting. She'll be eligible for parole in 2029. She'll be 60 wow. years old. So I don't know. She'll be out in 2029. She'll she'll get out. I mean, I think she should have got fucking life, obviously. But I mean, you can't really prove that she did it. So. So, Lauren, that episode was for you. I hope you enjoyed it. You probably know the story. All right. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use if you like this story. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our poison, go talkmurder.com slash join, become a talk host primo. Get a badass T-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I will research it, dedicate it to you on the Talk Murder to Me podcast. My name is John, and I'm here with Jen and Nicole, and until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.
3: Yeah, I was I was team Peyton. I definitely like Lucas and Peyton together. Peyton,
4: fuck Peyton. She's all like, oh, I'm going to just put my car in, drive, and run through all these red lights she because lost her I'm mother. so emo. Whatever. Her
0: mother I died was hoping that way. one of the
4: cars would clip her. Boom. That's terrible. Well, she should have been running red lights on purpose.
3: True. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that, but but she was she was trying. She was depressed. She she yeah, wanted- but she endangered other people's lives. True. Mm, there was no one ever around when she did that. It's
4: smart that I put a lot of time and effort into this podcast and I think about things and try to grow it.
0: Thanks, Nicole. So tonight we're I going- was complimenting you, asshole. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash MoneyScout.
1: There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, Tasty, delicious, beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks.
0: Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.